0: Hello, St. Matthews United Methodist Church. I'm Pastor Kelly. And I'm Pastor Dave. And we're so glad you could join us on this week's podcast of Golden Calf. <laughs> uh I'd love, I love uh the imagery of like a golden calf. Uh you ever done this with kids, by the way? You like if you ever done a kid sermon and you ask kids to like close their eyes and tell you what they think a golden calf looks like, you get some really weird answers. Oh yeah? Yeah. Cause people are like, what's a calf? And then you know, and a lot of the depictions of like uh, biblical art, right? When artists interpret this, they they typically draw it like a bull. Mm-hmm. They don't draw it like a tiny little calf. Yeah. And I'm always like thinking of the logistics of this, like that takes a lot more gold than they probably had.
1: I don't know. They had a lot of gold. They did
0: have a lot <laughs> of gold. Yeah. I'm like Moses. How well, long are you got? <laughs> and if you read the passage, they only use the earrings that they've had. There's a thread there. We are not going to pull on, Uh, but we're so glad you could join us today. Uh, This is the last one. No. Ah! (laughs) One more. One more. Uh One more of Exodus. I've been having a blast at Exodus, though. This has been great. Oh, look, the Spirit's here, too. Yay! (laughs) So, Dave, why don't you walk us through a little bit of uh, the passage or the passages from this weekend. We're Exodus 32, 1 through 14. That's what we were thinking, Mm -hmm. right? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and you entitled your sermon, Golden Calf. Very inventive, wasn't it? <laughs> Creative kind of yeah. sermon title. I've heard there. this story before. <laughs> uh, but yeah, why don't you walk us through a little bit about the sermon and, okay. and the passages? Okay. Well, in the, in the passage in Scripture, of course, uh, Moses
1: is leading the the people. Um, we continue, can continue that thread. Mm-hmm. Lead, uh, led them out of Egypt, led them through the Red Seas, led them through times of hunger and and reminded them of God's presence all along, mm. and so uh, at this point, the people are camped out at Mount Sinai. Uh, Moses has gone up to talk with God. Uh, as we read the scripture, we kind of we hear that conversation Moses is having with God. So, uh, you know the the focus is there, so we know what's going on. But the people are disconnected from that, and mm-hmm. so they don't hear, they don't realize what's going on, uh, but they know that Moses has been gone a long time far too long in their minds <laughs> Moses has been gone uh and so they turned to Aaron and say you know Moses is i don't know where he's at he's he might be dead uh so we <laughs> you're in charge you are you Aaron was number 2 uh so they they turned to Aaron and say make us a make us a a god that we can worship so that we can continue our life now you know knowing the whole story, we see that as kind of idiotic, kind of, kind of, why were they doing that? Uh, But really what's happening there is that they're returning kind of to the life that they knew when they were in Egypt Mm -hmm. uh, and worshiping the Egyptian gods um, that were idols, Uh, uh, returning to that kind of pattern of living is what they're doing. So, I likened it in the sermon to when you have kids, and you turn your back just for a minute and then they get into into mischief, so Moses kind of turns his back um and the people get into mischief uh is kind of what what happens here
0: i love I love how you use the word mischief. <laughs> I'm like that's not the word I uh, would use no, uh, no, uh, uh no. but you're nicer than me, yeah. so that's fine uh you know it's funny you're saying that, and I keep thinking of being a youth pastor. <laughs> And the, and the unfair label that is given to every youth worker everywhere of, like, we're always in trouble for something. And, you know, sometimes the shoe does fit. You know, you're like, turn my back for a minute. They're like, why is there a kid holding onto the ceiling? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, We built a trebuchet. <laughs> a what? I'm like, I got engineer majors in my youth group, man. We figured it out. Uh, no, but, yeah, you, you turn your back. and And so I have young kids now. Um, and uh, I'm just gonna gross y'all out. Ready? You ready for this? So I have I have a a son who is about to turn eight. Uh, wonderful kid. Also has gotten in a ton of mischief. Uh, he's not really uh, uh, sinister, like insidious, with his stuff, though. He's very like tame mm-hmm. with his mischief. My daughter, though, she's gonna turn one in like a week and a half. And this girl, that's right. Hope you're not squeamish is obsessed with eating dog hair. It is, And it is the worst. It is terrible. And so every time she finds, and we have a Samoyed, by the way, in South Texas, so like shedding everywhere. And so there's no shortage of supply. <laughs> and I'll be like, Alice, what are you doing? She'll turn around. She'll be like, <laughs> and then she'll try to run. And I'm like, this is not a game. This is not funny. This is disgusting. Please stop, right? Um, but definitely like have to watch her. hmm Always watching her. Mm -hmm. Like, what are you doing? Where are you at? Mm -hmm. Alice, come here. And she's like, "Uh," and then she'll like do things. Um, not to liken this entire people group to a infant child who just gets in trouble. Um, but yeah, I I love that you took that in the sermon and used that illustration of Aaron, I was gone for a minute. What happened here? (laughs) Like, what are you what are you doing? Yeah. And that whole I mean, if you read
1: beyond. Uh, the passage of the four, first fourteen verses, I think it's in verse twenty-four. Uh, you hear, you know, Moses comes down from the mountain and confronts Aaron and said, "You know, what are you doing?" And Aaron plays plays like he's innocent <laughs> and says, "I don't know, Moses. Uh, I took the gold from them and I just threw it in the fire and out popped a cat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and and everybody's like, "We both know that's not how this went down.
1: There's no way, like." But I mean it's so uh I mean it's so just kinda in your face, um, kind of uh trying to, to cover your sins there. <laughs>
0: yeah, the the well, and at this point too, right? They already have they already have the sayings of God, right? Uh there
1: I'm not sure that's actually been conveyed to them yet. We we have that it was that's given to right. Moses. Uh, but it's kind of, this is the process. This is the kind of the place where that happens. But as far as the timing of it, I don't think it's quite happened yet.
0: So if you wanted to know why <laughs> this is why, <laughs> because <laughs> if, if there isn't something that says don't make idols, we're going to make idols. <laughs> and then even when we're told not to, sometimes we still do.
1: So, uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's all kind of in this process of, of happening here. I love it. But you know, we can, we can, not to, not to you know, misidentify this people group, but it's part of growing. It's part of learning. And we do that as, as children growing up. We learn the ways that we are to live and things that are acceptable and things that are not. Mm-hmm. And so the Israelites, they grew, they were in Egypt, and so they learned those ways. And this time in the wilderness is all about learning God's ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the purpose of this journey and being in the wilderness. It's a time of growth for the people of God, right? And so they're trying to uh, uh, trying to learn uh, to move away from the things of Egypt and move toward and grow into the ways of God. Uh, and so that's kind of what is going on. So so they're the uh, uh, the equivalence there to to kids is it's a time of growth. Mm-hmm. the time of maturing, it's a time of learning new things, uh, learning to be a new people, learning to be the people of
0: God. Right, right. And 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 during this entire podcast series this this summer, right, we spent, I think, a lot of time talking about the difference between, you know, obedience or living with God and just doing things because we have to, or so that we don't get in trouble, or so we don't do the wrong thing, right? And I think that one of the things that's important is, so we're, we're talking, and, and Threads I'm hearing from you, uh, there are a lot of like our context, right? Of how do we interact with that? How do we learn? How do we grow, right? Mm-hmm. And I think for me, there's a, a a part of a component of that as well, right? Is like, well, what does God do in the midst of that? Mm-hmm. Like, how do we know how God is going to respond and or answer when we go outside the bounds or we or we do something we're not supposed to do, uh, knowingly and unknowingly? And and one of the reasons I I treasure Scripture so much is there's a people group that write about themselves in very unflattering ways that kind of talk about not just the consequences of actions and the accountability to being what God has called us to be, but what God does in response to those things. And so to your point, right, like they're in the wilderness, they've completely left the structure politically, power dynamics, economically, socially, it's just been torn from them, it's gone. And they're having to figure out how to like do that together mm-hmm. and with God, cause God's called them out to be God's people. And I think God's also kind of alluded to right in, in the wilderness, that they're going to be taught how to do that. Right. And so they're still in this like waiting period mm-hmm. and, and Moses has gone to kind of conv- convene and, with God. And, and so they immediately they twist, they twist Aaron's arm <laughs> yeah. and they're like, Hey man, <laughs> 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 fix it. Right. Like do the thing. Uh, cause I can't wait anymore. Um, and so there, but there is that concept of like part of part of what I love about this experience is, you know, we're not going to get into the verses like right after this because there's some like serious consequences. Um, but the but the overarching theme here, right? And and the, the thing is that God wants to be with people, and God wants people to want to be with God too, and God wants to do life with everybody in in a relational context. And so what we see here is, I think. God constantly, consistently not only prioritizes that, makes ways for that to be accomplished if we meet God in that. Mm-hmm. And uh, they they royally screw this up here.
1: Well, yeah, and, and I, to, to to follow on what you're saying there, God made us to be in relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And so this passage is saying, be in relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Not to be in relationship with idols or those other things that mm. we put in God's place, right, um, so that's really where that where this kind of passage fits in is that people are misplacing um, the, the relationship that God wants. yeah, um, they're misplacing that with the idol and and we could name you know all kind of things that we do that with today <laughs> that we make idols uh, that don't look like the golden calf. Uh, but it's still where we put other things in the place where God wants to be in our life,
0: yeah, I think there's a uh, you know it's it's uh, you brought up Jesus, I think last week, right? We talked mm-hmm. about murder and anger, right mm-hmm. and so for me the 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 logic right there is you know Jesus is essentially I think getting at this concept of like if you're like sitting in this and you're thinking this way and it's altering your behavior, it equates to this thing. And so what we're getting in this story is a people group, right, who have—they didn't just like—the golden calf didn't just appear, right? It wasn't, it wasn't like all of a sudden they like were like, hey, we should just do this. They've been thinking through this. They have been sitting on it. God told them to do this thing, and they're like, ah, I don't know if we should do this. We should do this instead. And uh, like you said before, they don't have all the information, but they do know that they are to wait— um and they're not waiting on a god that hasn't shown up mm-hmm. like god has already yep. already shown up and done crazy cool stuff uh, for their benefit and their behalf and they're instructed to like hey i'm going to go talk to god and figure out what the next thing is we're all good here we're sa- like let's just wait a sec and and everybody's like nah <laughs> we're going to we're going to do what we know and so i part of that right i think it's so important is um that even if I don't have the full picture or understand it, right, that uh, in the waiting, right, And you you, I think alluded to this a couple of podcasts ago, but but the part of the thing about waiting is it's active waiting. Mm-hmm. So there's still things with the people group and in their their place, right, that need to get done there there are tasks that need to be completed there's ways that they're instructed to to treat each other while they're on this waiting period of what the next thing is the next revelation is on on the context of the relationship they're supposed to have with God right so that that's all this this thing but but they have they this is an obvious and intentional thing of like they're trusting in their own ability they have broken away from what God has called them to be into and they are making intentional decisions one after the other here that lead them into a place that is really problematic. Yeah, they're reverting. Right. To life before. Yeah. Right. And so I, I as we kind of focused on that, I rambled there a bit. But but it's definitely like a, you know, they didn't just all of a sudden go, oh no, how'd this calf get here? There is a there is a there's a pattern here or or mm-hmm. choices that have been made that have that have gotten more egregious and more egregious and more egregious. And so um, in our own lives, I think, as we're kind of thinking, well, how do we relate to this passage? How do I, like, how does it speak to my life is, you know, it, oftentimes when I'm, like, in a spot where, you know, I'm, like, my daughter is like, what are you doing? I'm like, uh-oh, <laughs> like, I think I got to hide this, right, is I don't start there. It's it's decisions I've made over time mm-hmm. or or whatever that have, like, now I'm in a spot where I'm like, uh-oh, uh-oh, there's, there's consequences for this. Um so if you're if you're watching and listening um you know they're not bad they're, they're not like terrible people who just like are just only capable of these terrible things like no they made some conscious choices and decisions that led them to this place mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um all right so i uh, uh there's something else you said in the sermon that i really really loved and you talked about uh the concept of running from sin uh kind of kind of walk us through that a little bit yeah, more
1: yeah well I, I think the thread to get there um, I, you know I thought about the golden calf and how the people felt that that God was not present Moses was was not present with them right uh, and so they fell into this you know I called it mischief earlier <laughs> um, I you know I think back to the other big kind of big story about sin in scriptures the story of the of apple, Adam and Eve eating the apple Mm -hmm. in the garden. Uh, And there too, God was kind of said to be absent from the immediate place where Adam and Eve were. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I see a similarity in both stories in that the absence of God kind of allowed people, Adam and Eve or the Israelite people, kind of led them to kind of get into the mischief, into the sin, uh, which says something about when we um, believe that God is not with us, we kind of are left to our own de- devices, so to speak, yeah. and can can uh, can kind of fall into sin that way. Right. But then that says the presence of God keeps us away from sin. If we know that God is with us, not that we're being watched like a two-year-old, but that if we're connected with God and we're practicing the presence of God, uh, then... I mean, we don't have to be so worried about sin if that's the case in our life. I mean, sin, by definition, is turning away from God. Mm -hmm. And so if God is always with us, then that need to sin or that ability to sin or that desire to sin kind of goes away. Right. Um, Which says something about the life that we're meant to lead with God. We're not—I don't think that we're designed... Uh, or that we're made to be kind of fearful of sin, we're designed to be in connection with God in that relationship. And if we focus on and concentrate on the presence of God, uh, focusing on God being with us every minute of every day, uh, then we we find ourselves leading the life that God desires for us. Right. Uh, and so a Christian life is not one that is spent in fear of sin. Oh, I might fall off the, you know, I might fall off the track but rather, it's a life that is lived within the embrace of a loving God, right? Um, the uh, uh, and then the the um, there's a Christian, a classic kind of Christian writing uh, by a, a monk named um, Brother Lawrence, who was writing in the 17th century, and the kind of the name of his memoir is "Practicing the Presence of God," where mm. he um, finds himself um, living in the monastery and having to Work in the kitchen, and he hates working in the kitchen. Sounds like Nacho Libre. <laughs>
0: it might be. I need new duties. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: he hates living in or uh, working in the kitchen, uh, but he finds that his grumbling and his complaining kind of pulls him away from the love of God that he mm-hmm. desires. Right, uh, and so he finds a way to to recognize the presence of God even in the midst of you know chopping the carrots in the kitchen, or washing the dishes, or doing any of those kind of things. Right. um and so his this writing is really his kind of experience of of practicing the presence of God saying that God is with me um no matter what I'm doing kind of seeing the bigger goal of of all of the activities that he's doing and being mm-hmm. part of that community of faith uh that he was a part of
0: yeah yeah so eloquently put dave um I think I think the concept, right, of of the presence of God being with us all the time, mm-hmm. is is tricky, uh, because it, it's a statement I hear made all the time, and then I think about like my own application of that and how that, what I think of that, and I, I want to break this in a maybe not a couple of categories, but bear with me. Is is so, so we have a lot of different Christian tradition and spiritual tradition that equates the presence of God to different types of things. So one of them, right, is experience. It's feeling, right? So so if you've ever been in like a worship set or at camp, it's like, man, the presence of God is so thick. And it's like, I don't feel God this way at the grocery store. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, so we base our like our relationship or the strength of our relationship or the strength of that um, in, in a feeling, mm-hmm. right, or an mm-hmm. emotional connection, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for some that I've talked to, right, it's much more of a logical connection of like the, the, the wisdom they receive or, or their, their perception or understanding of how something happens or what they're supposed to do in that. It's like a wisdom kind of context. And then there's people too, like if things work out for them. That are positive. It's always like, oh, credit to God. And positive for the things that they want. Or the things that they want. Um, uh, and it's like, oh, all glory to be to God. And I'm like, Were you gonna say that if you know it didn't go super well? And mm-hmm. what does it say about God if we're like, yeah, there's a whole there's a whole rabbit trail there I'm not gonna get into. Um, but so there's just kind of different concepts of like relationship with God. And so I love that you brought up Adam and Eve, and and part of that for me is is uh I'm not a scholar, I do not have a seminary degree uh but Genesis 1 two and three are probably is probably the place that I have camped in and like reread uh for a decade now this is the spot that like I spend probably more time than I should but I I have spent so much time here because there's parts of it that just fascinate me um and I love like this idea that uh so we, God essentially goes off and does things that God does mm-hmm. and then returns to to, to walk with Adam and Eve in the garden in the cool of the day and I'm like, well, that's two times, right? So it's like the morning and the night, right? And there's no mosquitoes because it's heaven because mosquitoes were after the fall uh, <laughs> just like flying cockroaches. Uh, but and and Canadian geese, you know who you are. Uh, but but so there's this but like you said, there's this there's this literary example here where God's physical presence is not being felt or seen mm-hmm. or overseeing, right? Mm-hmm what always fascinates me here is like, you know, y'all couldn't just like wait, you know, it's a talking snake. And like our context, like it's like talking snake. Maybe there was lots of talking snakes. I don't know. But it goes in direct contrast to the way the dialogue goes with exactly what God told you not to do Mm -hmm. and told you what the consequences would be where you didn't wait to confer because y'all are about to go for a walk and be like, hey, pops, (laughs) the snake talked to us and told us to do this thing that you told us not to do. What should we do? Right. I'm like, do that, do, do, do confer, right? Yeah. And as a parent, and as a parent, like I've seen that now play out in real time where uh, I have a kid who will make a decision that has negative consequences. And I'm like, no, 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 why didn't we d- d- talk to me? And because I want to help you, right? Mm-hmm. Not because I want to harm you, not because mm-hmm. like, I didn't want you to make that decision, not because I'm disappointed, but I didn't want you to make that decision because it was going to hurt you. Mm -hmm. And so now we've got to like work out the relational context of that. And so like I love that you bring this up here because I think this kind of, all the way back to Exodus here, this plays out in real time again, Mm -hmm. where they're given an instruction, God has shown up in miraculous cool ways and goes, hey, I want to be with you. We are together now. And they i think what's happening here is is and and this is totally off script here um but this is a problem i see in our modern day christianity where we put we make people god instead of god god mm-hmm. so moses is like the anchor and moses so dad has gone to go talk with bigger parent mm-hmm. <laughs> and so uh oh <laughs> he's what if what if Pops doesn't come back? Then what do we do? And so then the fear sets in and all this other stuff. And so their their hope is not that they are all connected to God because God is with them. They've I think they've relinquished a lot of that to Moses' person. Mm-hmm. Moses is the special one. Moses is the one that God like is everything's gonna come through here. And they've completely abandoned like their understanding of God. So they're trying to figure out what the next step is and so in our own lives i think where this applies in and i want to hear your thoughts on this too is um you know i'm a pastor vocationally right mm-hmm. and i can't tell you how often i talk to people and go listen <laughs> i am not more special i am not more mm-hmm. important i don't have some special like background clearance to get to god i'm swiping like i'm in the military right like the door in the movies where i can go talk to god and like i get I get closer proximity or, or better perks than you do, mm-hmm. um, and it it doesn't work that way. And so I think there's this whole thing happening where they don't wait. They their trust is being challenged, and they revert back to this concept of this idea of like, well, we know this, and it worked for the Egyptians why wouldn't it work for us? Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh no, (laughs) this is going to go so bad. Yeah. the Really the entire book of
1: Exodus, you could see it as people learning to be the people of God Mm -hmm. and seeking the presence of God. And you can track kind of that presence of God idea throughout Exodus. So in the beginning, God is the God of their ancestors, Jacob and Isaac and Abraham. Um, then God moves to live on the mountain Sinai Horb, mm-hmm. uh, where you know the burning bush happened, um, uh, and and now all of this this recent activity as we get further into the book, and then the presence of God gets transferred into the Ark of the Covenant, uh, that can then travel with the people. Uh, as they go through the the wilderness, that comes you know it's coming up in the story of Exodus. and by the way, I'm not going to cover all of that in the uh, in the ser- in the series, but it's really about the presence of God moving from a God who is absent or distant or the God of our ancestors to living in camp with us mm-hmm. um, and you can trace that presence of God as the people learn to be the people of God. The presence of God becomes closer. Right. Progressively closer as we go through uh, the book of Exodus to, uh, you know, at the end where God is in the camp with them traveling through the desert and then into the Holy Land. And so the book of Exodus, the story of Exodus, is really about the presence of God becoming closer to the people. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that thread that gets that can that really pulls through all of exodus, looking past all the all the miracles and all the the cool stuff right right um the the visual kind of graphics to really God becoming personal mm-hmm. um to the to the
0: people of god right yeah that's awesome- mm-hmm. that's awesome i guess my my final thought would would be this is um you know. What I'm hearing and, and what we've been talking about with being with God and, and being in presence with God and learning how to be the people of God is not a question of worthiness or performance. Mm-hmm. So often in my life, that's where it gets confused, or what I've been taught or what i received was like, okay, if I do this, then this, is, this good thing will happen. And yes, I'm not saying with that, go, go build a golden calf. Please don't. Uh, but
1: throw some gold in the fire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't do that.
0: Uh, don't do that. But but what that means is that what it what I think is at the core of being people of God is that's not a worthiness or 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 uh, you know earning things. It's learning to be who I was intended to be, mm-hmm. and us learning who we were intendedly or, or intentionally created to be. And when you start to look at it, I think from that perspective, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I'm not like doing something i'm not i'm learning to be who i actually am mm-hmm. and we are learning to be who we actually are and when we do that as we worship god as we as worship we, god as we
1: seek the presence 100% of god.
0: no i don't mean internally like being like like no god is at the center of that mm-hmm. right and so mm-hmm. meaning that like as i learn to be in relationship with god in the mundane and in all the things and not to overdo all that but like to just really be aware that like I oh, was created to be with God and God wants to be with me now and with us and I can love God and love other people um again we 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 start to focus I think on the right things there and then when we do lose focus we get to refocus and and kind of work through that mm-hmm. and so that's mm-hmm. that's my final mm-hmm. two cents mm-hmm.
1: yeah I mean if if you have to go to the camp at for the and have the spiritual kind of high that you can get at those places um, if that's the only place where you can feel connected to God is during those kind of times of emotional spiritual high, mm-hmm. uh, then what are you doing the rest of your life? Uh, because those moments are rare in our in our lives, and to uh, and our our walk with God is not to try to replicate that high every mm-hmm. single day of that we live. I mean, our goal is to be present with God in the, in the, on the mountaintops and in the valleys. Right. And honestly, we will experience many more valleys than we will mountaintops in our life, but that doesn't mean that God's not with us. Right. That God's love is not with us. And by seeking God's presence, trying to realize that God is with us every day, I think that is our primary focus uh, but so much of kind of the cultural practice of Christianity today is about sin and and not sinning and trying to stay away from sin. And if that's our focus, then we're missing the grace.
0: Well, yeah, because sin isn't God, uh, right?
1: <laughs> so in a way, you're right. We've made sin the idol. If we're if we're just trying to to keep from sinning, we've missed the point. Um, But if we're seeking God's presence to know that God is with us every minute of every day, understanding what love means, Mm. um, then that's the path that we're made to be on. Right. Uh, And that's the more wholesome path um, that that we're called to.
0: Amen, brother. Amen. Pastor Kelly. And I'm Pastor Dave. And we'll catch you next week for the final episode of Exodus. (laughs) (laughs) See you then. Bye-bye.